guys, this is Carice from the online broadcast. Brett is off doing what he does best, presenting at a cybercrime conference. I just wanted to pop in to give you a few notes about what you're about to listen to. So this is the very first live recording of online broadcast. We presented this at CMP Expo in San Francisco on May 22nd. It was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> definitely a little bit different to be uh, recording it in person with a live audience, but we really enjoyed it and uh, brought props, which we tried to reference to so you guys wouldn't feel so out of it, but we'll also post some pictures on our Facebook and our LinkedIn's as well when we post this episode so you can see kind of what you missed out on. Um, also, we did have to beep out a couple of names just to comply with our own internal rule where we don't name companies or people sometimes in a live presentation that just happens so we needed to beep that out um also towards the end you will hear me sort of lose my patience because someone decided that the perfect place in the entire hotel to take a sales call was right in the hallway of where we were presenting so um, I was just having a really hard time focusing. So apologies on that, but you'll you'll hear that. Uh, because it was a live recording, we just weren't able to edit it as much as we can when we do it in our home offices. So lesson learned, but you know, that also will probably add to the magic of feeling like you're there. <laughs> um, don't forget that this is actually our season one finale. We are so grateful for everyone who has supported us and shared information with their peers and their teams to listen to us and who have sent us notes like you guys were just so humbled by all of this we had no idea how it would go when we started it and we're just so grateful that we get to work on a season two we are working on different plans to make it bigger and better and really expand the audience because everyone has a part in either preventing or encouraging cybercrime consumers law enforcement businesses all of it so we are expanding our audience we are working on that now and we are aiming to have that all launched by the beginning of july at the latest so uh, keep following us on linkedin keep looking out for uh, notices on our facebook group and we will talk to you soon but we really hope that you enjoy this live episode we can't wait to hear what you think thanks so much Welcome to the online broadcast. I'm Therese Hendricks. And I'm Brett Johnson. And we're both anti-fraud experts. But with very different <laughs> sets of experiences. I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, working with hundreds of the biggest online companies in the world to help them prevent payment fraud. And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. Committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the United States Most Wanted list, spent several years in prison, since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against people like I used to be. And we're so excited to be here, and we're grateful that you guys all came to join us as well. We are. We're very humbled by it. We Thank know. You so much. I, I mean, really, honestly, we started the podcast just after CMP Expo last year, and um, we met at CMP Expo two years ago. So this is really like a full circle moment for us in a lot of ways, it is. for sure. And. Definitely, I'm not used to being on the stage. I'm used to being the one that asks other people to be on the stage. So, a little nervous, but I'll be okay. You'll I, I be don't have fine. this many eyes looking at me, you know, when you, we're recording the podcast in my yoga pants. And nonsense, I, you'll be fine. But look, <laughs> we also need to thank our sponsor, MyTech. Absolutely. Outstanding company. If you don't know who they are, please check them out. They, they do a great lot of good. So, what are we talking about today? What do we need to do next? Well, yeah, as most of our loyal listeners know, we sometimes start off the show with a segment called What the Fraud. What the Fraud. So, what, what should we do for that? What should we do? Hmm. How many merchants we got in here? I mean, what the fraud should we do? Is How many merchants? Show hands. Show hands. How many merchants? Uh -oh. Now, <laughs> put your hands down. How many merchants have been hit with fraud? <laughs> there we go. I thought we'd have some dishonesty. I'll tell you what we'll do with What the Fraud. I'll tell you what we'll do. Hold on. He's very excited to have, you know, an audience and not just. <laughs> All right, here we go. Merchant hands. Oh boy. Let's see what we got. <laughs> there's a lot of Oh, there's one unsuspecting gentleman there right there. Hi, how are you? <laughs> there you go. Good. Good. My name is Brett Johnson, criminal. You are? You I take say... it you're a good guy. Yeah. Like to think so. You've been hit with fraud? Yes. Give us a fraud story, your favorite fraud story. 
That's how we handle half what's a fraud. Put it on them. <laughs> Uh, well, we get a lot. Uh, we're an international payments company, so oh. we get a lot of the uh, Nigerian worker scams. Boy, I'm glad I picked him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Work, I'm on our payments team, so I don't interact directly with fraud uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But well, let's I see if we can change that in the future, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the favorite story? Well, I think it's when we actually call customers uh, and we say, you know, it doesn't look like you actually know this person. And they say, oh no, we're engaged, we're in love. Uh, mm. And we're like, well, have you met each other? And they say, no. <laughs> <sighs> no, but I love her. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> so so do, do, do you ever talk them out of sending the money or do they still send it? Well, we prevent them from sending Oh, How do you prevent them. them from doing that? Well, we just don't let the transaction go through. I'll remember that's the next romance <laughs> scam I run. Yeah. <laughs> but don't fall in love with someone you've never met. That's true. That's Sage true. Sage advice. <laughs> My dad used to tell me I was like Jesus. I love them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone else want to give a fraud tale? If someone doesn't raise their hand, I'll just run up to you and say, give me a story. All right. Ah, I was coming your way anyway. I said, she looks <laughs> like she wants to tell me a story. I'm Brett Johnson. You are? Give us a fraud story. Uh, I can tell you about the time that I ruined a 15-year-old's prom. <laughs> so this was a... Were you 15 or <laughs> say? Um, I can use his first name because it ends up being part of the story, but his name was <laughs> and he was really into getting these like $600 Bushimi uh, sneakers that I know nothing about, but that he absolutely had to have for, for uh, prom. And he used every single stolen credit card he could get his hands on with more and more like elaborate stories about, now this is my mom, now this is my uncle. Well, this is a person who has no resemblance to me because I've actually given you the ID and I'm having to explain how oh. that's my teacher who's willing to buy these shoes for me anyway. So he was an idiot. We shut him down and anything nice that I did for my team from then on, they would always harass me. Like if I brought in bagels for breakfast, they'd say, okay, but you still ruined prom. <laughs> so, I will never forget. Well, let's all remember <laughs> as we go through the day today. I Poor think will ruin somebody's, you know, <laughs> wedding, vacation. But Lord knows I have, but on the them, other side. Most, most of them are, you know, probably using a stolen credit card to try to purchase those, so we don't have as much sympathy for that. Yeah, like him. <laughs> like he did. <laughs> Formerly. Just saying. <laughs> so one of the bigger <laughs> topics that we, thank you guys so much, by the way, for being brave and doing that. One of the main topics that we hear a lot of our merchant listeners ask us to talk about is social engineering. What I've seen, yeah, I've been really lucky to be in the industry for so long and be able to see a very long trajectory of change. And as more and more of you as merchants are implementing more and more of these you know, amazing products that are in the back room, you're being able to determine a lot of information about their device, you know, including their IP address, their device ID, the language on their browser, all of those things. You're making it more difficult for fraud to be committed online from a transactional perspective. So they're basically circumventing the high-tech problem, on their end it's a problem, with a low-tech solution. And the way they're doing that is by accessing your customer service department, which I started in customer service, so I feel like I'm qualified to say that you know, they're usually the lowest paid people in your, in your company. They you know, may not be as educated as others. They're probably not trained as well in knowing that some calls may not be the person that they say they do. And their entire job is to do nothing but please the customer on the other end of the phone. So it's almost like the exact opposite of fraud. And then on top of that, they have the keys to the kingdom. When you think of the fact that not only can, you, can somebody place an order with them, you can also you know, find out the CEO's email or you know, find out different things like that about the company for data breaches, phishing scams, whatever it is, just by striking a conversation with a customer service agent that is doing their job and doing it well. And so I thought that we would really be missing an opportunity if we didn't learn from literally one of the best social engineers in the entire world, maybe that's because he socially engineered me into helping him with his career. No. But, <laughs> you know, Slate Magazine did <laughs> kind of portray me as a sucker, so let's just, you Well, know. you called me a North Korean defector. I knew that would come she up did. at some point. She did, she did. It she was did. meant as a she compliment did. for, I, 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 literally I said it a year and a half ago and I will never live it down, but, my whole purpose of saying that was because you know, our military 
could be fighting an enemy you know, country they don't know anything about. They don't know how they're you know, committing, you know, what their war strategy is. They don't know what you know, weapons they have in their arsenal. They don't know what's going to motivate them to go to war. But then somebody from the other country defects and informs our military of those things. And then our military is able to be extremely more effective. And that goes for any country, right, with military forces. So that really was the point. I mean, Brett is the only former cyber criminal that I know who's committed you know, credit card fraud as well as all other types of fraud online who has really, truly, and I, ha I have and I would st stake my career on it, reformed. And so I think that you know we are all very lucky to be able to, to learn from you. And I know that you actually brought some visual aids to I did. Uh, I did. to help us with understanding social engineering and, and how effective it can be and, and how easy it can be for somebody who's really skilled at it. Right. So, so here's, here's the thing. You need to understand that fraud happens. There are three faces to fraud. Those faces are the person, the victim, all three are victims, but the person, the bank, the merchant. Fraud happens at all three levels. You still PII. You change credit card or the billing information or the phone information at the bank level. You then defraud the merchant once that's done. Now, when you're looking at how companies are targeted, how you gather information, first stop for a criminal tends to be that forum type environment, what I call the large communication channel. So what I mean by that, for cybercrime to be effective, three things have to take place. You have to gather data, commit a crime, cash out. All three have to work or the crime fails. The problem is that a criminal is not good in all three things. A criminal is good in one thing. Sometimes he's good in two. Very rare can he do all three. That's why you have these cybercrime communities and marketplaces. They allow that one specific criminal to network with <laughs> other criminals who are good in areas where he is not. All right? So if a criminal is looking to defraud somebody, he's looking for a MacBook Pro, iPhone, Android phone, whatever that is, if he's looking for that, first stop tends to be this forum type structure. Who's got it? Where can I get it? Using stolen credit cards, what have you. So that's the first stop. Now, a lot of the times, a lot of merchants, the vertical may be mentioned, but the specific site is not. So you read as much as you possibly can there. You then go to the target site. And what you're looking for at the target site, you're looking for a site that Maybe the security doesn't look very good. You'll read the terms of service to see, who, see if you can find out payment policies, shipping policies, um, perhaps the fraud provider as well. As a matter of fact, the only people on the planet that read terms of service <laughs> are criminals. Attorneys as well, but that's the same thing. All right? So those are the only people that read the TOS. They read the TOS to get the information. They get all the information they possibly can. They may read some, try to pull up some news articles or Google some stuff about <laughs> security lapses. Are you a public company that's put out a statement that you've been, ha you've been having security problems lately? Have you had a breach recently? Something like that. That's what they're looking for is how much data can they get. But even at that point, it's hard sometimes to get enough information. So what do you do? If you're looking to ATO an account, if you're looking to set up a bank account, if you're looking to do credit card fraud, anything else, what do you do? Well, some criminals, the more experienced ones, if they really can't find out enough information about the company, they'll attempt to defraud the company using their own information. So I'm setting up a bank account with Wells Fargo, Bank of America, SunTrust, any, anything else like that. I don't know the process of how to set up a fraudulent account or how to do an ATO on the account. So what I will do is I will open an account using my real information. Once that's in, if I'm trying to do an ATO, I'll call in from a new phone number new device, whatever, see how the ATO works as well, just using my information. That way, when I use someone's stolen information, I know the steps, I know the processes of how that worked. <clears throat> so we were getting ready to do this. We decided we were gonna do some social engineering stuff. A friend of mine had this voice recorder, this digital voice recorder, an H4N. I was like, man, that's nice, I need one of those. So, got online, this was three days ago, got online, found a site, I figured I'd make it a learning lesson for Brett Johnson as well. If I were going to defraud <laughs> this site, how would I do that? So I go to the site. Turns out they've got this credit. Uh, you can apply for credit through the site. It's <laughs> bank. I, I'm sure some people here know who <laughs> I am not a huge fan. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I despise them. But why is that? It's from a security perspective. It is, it is a security and thing. They give credit out to anyone at all. They've been hit religiously with synthetic fraud. About a year and a half ago, they were, from the criminal speak, they were wide open, wide open for new account fraud. You could set up any number of accounts that you wanted to through that bank, all right? So they were, they're pretty bad with security. Not only that, but 
a lot of their security team, I've had discussions with them, and some of their security team are, how to say it nicely, <laughs> they simply don't want to hear information, and that's a problem. So, go to this site, find out they issue credit for 48 months, interest free. I apply for credit using a brand new device, using my information. I get approved for $4,000. Then I place an order for $1,300. The order goes through, I choose two-day shipping. 15 minutes after the order goes through, I get a verification call, and I'm going to tell you, the verification call was outstanding. The guy was friendly, he did not, it was not a contentious phone call at all, it was not this adversarial type phone call that a lot of verification calls can be, he was extremely friendly. One of the first questions out of the gate is, you know, hey Brett, why, why are you ordering from our site? And here's the problem with that, here's the, here's the, here's the good thing that he did. That site is more expensive than Amazon, than eBay, than a lot of other merchants. So the question comes, if you've got a site that deals in a product that you can buy cheaper, that a consumer can buy cheaper on eBay, Amazon, anything else like that, why is the purchaser coming to your specific site? You need to know that. You need to know that because Amazon's got great security. eBay's got fair security, but Amazon's got great security. Defrauding those people with stolen credit card data, very hard to do. So what a criminal will do is he will look for that same product on other sites, even if it's more expensive. So if you've got a more expensive product, you need to know why they're buying from you. Well, yeah, you may make the I, Yeah, and I actually recommend that question as well for social engineering, whether you're the fraud team calling for verification. In this case, it was a customer service agent calling for verification little bit extra information. Obviously, we have a little show and tell here. Our poor listeners are like, what is happening right now? Brett just brought a box on stage. But I do think that that's a very good opening question because you're not only listening to how what they say, you're, answer, you're listening to how they're saying it. So how are they, oh, well, I, um, I, I just, I liked your stuff, you know, or is it genuine? Okay, you look like you're about to pee your pants. Go I'm ahead just and- saying. <laughs> Look, look, yeah. look, 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 look. It's, it's time look. for show and tell now, Mr. Johnson. We've got a talking pillow. <laughs> he thought that he needed that for he me. He that is in possession of a talking pillow gets to talk. You stole the talking pillow from my chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're a thief, but still. All right, so. Had, had $1,300 worth of merchandise ordered, shipped to my billing address. Verification call takes place, goes through wonderfully. He says the product will arrive in two days. He hangs up. Now I'm coming to San Francisco. First time buyer, first time visit to the website. First time credit. First time credit. Had just registered on the, for the account as well. My question is, is could I talk the guy into sending from the billing address, diverting shipment from the billing address to a hotel in San Francisco, California? From Alabama to San Francisco. The answer, my friends, is yes, you can. So. What I did, I picked this up yesterday. I got it out of the mail room. They didn't even ask for identification. No, I was with room. you. They didn't ask for ID at all. And I love fact, that. I, I love mean, that. it got me to thinking, gosh, if I'm a criminal, I can go pay like $100 yeah. for a hotel room, have my name on the, you know, invo on their system, and then have items shipped to a hotel, which I know happens. It was Look happening I when I was a Look merchant. Look what I got. Look what I got. It up. I got a $130 lapel mic. I got, uh, I got a $399 digital recorder. I like my headphones. I got 300, that's a pop shield. Where's my headphones? Where's my headphones? I got, oh, there they are, there they are. I got $399 headphones because why not? And, and they love me so much, they gave me candy. I like that. Well, you know, so I will say, he did not clear this with his podcast co-host before he did this. Yesterday we were getting ready to practice. He goes, oh, I have to stop by the mailroom. I gotta pick something up. So, I mean, cause he knows like last year he didn't clear the fact that he was gonna buy an audience member social security number in the audience, but you know, he got I've their got permission. I've got more social security numbers today in the private session. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. right, he is doing a private session. He's got a lot of goodies as well for show and tell. But I do think it's, it's brilliant. And we also, I'm thankful that he, oh, thanks. So you gotta do this side, there you go. I, I did arts and crafts in my hotel room. We gotta at least like, you know, Let's see that it says the word talk on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I also do appreciate the fact that you purchased items that can be purchased at a lot of different and companies. And I'll keep and the several items. companies that are here. And, and you used your own credit card. It wasn't stolen. Well, I used theirs once they gave it to me. Well, that's a good point, <laughs> but it's in your name and you will be paying for it. I will. Uh, and after you enjoy the free interest for a while. I think that, you know, it's a really good way, but I really am curious. What did you say to get those the, that happened? Because my understanding is they've never done this for anyone before. No, I, that was the, uh, so I called the guy and I was like, look, man, I'm going to San Francisco for a conference. I would appreciate it. Is there any possible way that you guys could forward that package from Birmingham or in route from Birmingham to San Francisco? And he's, he's a very nice guy. He was like, man, he said, I don't know. He said, uh, I don't think it'll be a problem. This is not your first order, is it? And I was like, oh, no, no, this is my first order. He's like, ah. We have never done that before. So here's the thing with social engineering. It's not about the drama. It's not about the drama. What a social engineer does is he manipulates someone into giving up information, access, data, cash. Those four things, he manipulates that person. He gets the person to violate established rules at the company. That's what it's all about. What can I get the person to give up? that the person is not supposed to give up. In this instance, this company had never shipped out a product or diverted shipment to an alternate address that the person was not already an existing customer. Had never done that. So, I'm, so he tells me this, and I'm like, look, man, I don't, want to, I don't want to get you in trouble. I really don't. If there's some way you could do it, I'd appreciate it. If not, I understand. Look, my name is Brett Johnson. You can go to my website, anglerfish.com. I'm right there, dude. So he goes to the website, and he's like. But criminals do that, too. Yeah. He's like, that's you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I, you can go to there. I said, I'll send you in a driver's license, a scan, a selfie, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that, whatever we can do. So he's like, I'll check with my verification team. I was like, all right, let's do that. And he texts me back. He was like, I don't know. He said, it might work. We're in uncharted territory. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. FedEx will have to agree to it as well. And I'm like, that's fine, man. Whatever you can do, let's do that. Within 20 minutes, he calls me back. He's like, Brett, I've got really good news for you. And I was like, what's that? He's like, FedEx is going to work with us. We're going to get that to you. You'll, you'll receive it no later than Tuesday morning. And I'm like, no kidding. He's like, no kidding. I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So here's the thing. Someone that knew enough about Brett Johnson, and criminals know enough about their victims. In, this, in, in the United States, everything is based on KBA, knowledge-based authentication questions. The problem is, is that everyone's information is out there. In a KBA environment, everything is based on security questions. How can you prove your identity just by saying enough information? How much do you know about yourself or the person you're trying to take over? Everyone's information is out there, therefore it's very easy to answer any, any type of KBA questions that might pop up. The reason a criminal will, will ATO himself, will social engineer himself through a website, is to see what types of KBA questions, what types of procedures will happen in order to make the order process through. So going through this store, this, this merchant, what I found was not really much procedures, not really much at all. As long as you're friendly with the person, and this company is trained, the reason that I gave that I've shopped at that company was you guys literally sit down, walk through, we'll make sure I've got the right product for the purpose that I'm trying to use the product for. So you build a rapport at that point with the customer service agent. And that's what it's all about, building rapport, causing a diversion, getting them to do something that, you usually, that they would, wouldn't usually do, to give up information, access, data, cash. And it worked like a charm. And that's the way social engineering works. Well, and I mean, honestly, I think, <laughs> sorry, yes. you're cracking me up. I do want to say on the merchant's behalf, if they're in the room or if they're listening. Well, I'm um, not going to say, I removed the, the tape I from know, the box. And, well, yes, because that was the bare minimum requirement. a nice requirement. sticker in there, too. I like the sticker. Yeah. yeah I, well, you, yes, you can keep and that candy. in But in the merchant's defense, it is entirely possible that they know who Brett Johnson is and that they knew that you were going to be at that hotel. Sure. So it's entirely possible that when they talked to the verification team, the verification was even like, yeah, actually, I, I know that guy. And so because of that, you know, want to give benefit of the doubt. But that said, somebody could have ATO'd your account. Anyone, anyway, it and works the exact same it, way. And looked up, I mean, it's public that we're at this hotel this week, looked it up, sent it. So, I mean, in, in all fairness, I think it's still a very good thing you guys know, I just always like to play devil's advocate, especially when the devil, in quotation marks, well, is merchant. For example, I know that most people in this room, you have shared on some social media platform, 
Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, you have shared mm -hmm. where you are today. Guilty. You have done that, <laughs> all right? So if I've got credit card information, and I don't even, in that instance, I don't even need credit card information. What I need is your social, I need your date of birth. That's the only thing I need in order to pull, to get a new credit for you guys, that's it. So I apply for new credit, get them to divert the package to where you're going to be. I verify that by telling the people at the, at the store, hey, I'm going to be at this hotel. It's very easy for me to have the package shipped there, intercept package at the hotel, because again, no one asks for identification if you don't have direct signature checked on the box. Matter of fact, in yeah, the 20 years- You didn't even sign for it. Right, and in and, and the 20 no, years I committed sure. crime, just cyber crime, <laughs> in the 20 years I committed cyber crime, I was asked for identification two times, two times. The first was for a Rolex watch. I had it shipped to a ghetto neighborhood, had a big sticker on the box, said expensive item. The guy looks at me, he was like, I need an ID for that. I was like, I don't have an ID, man. It's locked in my, it's locked in my apartment. I can't give you the package. He took the package back. I followed the truck around all day until he pulls into the UPS station. As soon as he leaves, I go where they're unloading the truck, tell the, tell the guys that's unloading, hey, there's a package on there for me. They hand it right to me without ID. The second time I was asked for identification was when I was arrested. That was it. So in all those pickups, all the money's stolen, no one asks for identification. Well, and you have an awesome model that you've built, you know, a graphic and illustration that you've built about the three characteristics and personal identity characteristics that criminals need to have to commit a crime, and then the three actions they have to take in order to be successful for a crime. And you'll be sharing that at your breakout session at one o'clock this afternoon. And you also posted it on your blog as well. So for people who can't attend that session, he posted a blog article yesterday about it. I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, look it over this weekend and give a little, little tips here and there, but really it all came from you and I think it's really genius. I actually had a light bulb moment because honestly, I was in fraud prevention for 13 years before I met a cyber criminal and I can't tell you how much I've learned in the last two years that either I was thinking incorrectly, even in this own presentation, both with things he said already and things we're gonna say soon. Yesterday, I was like, really? I didn't, wow, oh my gosh, you know, and so, that's why I say that this North Korean defector is very valuable for us. <laughs> you know, he's gonna hold it against me. I might as well just keep using it. I'm sorry. <laughs> when I am consulting with merchants and especially retailers that are being hit with social engineering, I usually approach it from like an educational and training perspective. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher, you know, when I was younger, and I have to kind of organize my thoughts in that way. So I've kind of come up with four main ways that cyber criminals are attacking, I shouldn't just say cyber criminals, but just criminals in general are attacking your customer service, either through chat or email or phone. Hmm. One is through grooming. So if you have a high dollar item and you know high ticket items and fairly low volume and you have a small customer service team that's especially stateside, then you're going to have probably you know, have somebody, you're more likely to have somebody call in a few times to the same customer service agent and say, hey, how's it going? Oh my gosh, you know, my kid's like this. Oh, do you have kids? And you know, keep dropping in information about the product that they're thinking about buying, but they're not sure. And then by the time they place an order, they've now made that customer service agent their advocate, right? So if the fraud department's like, oh, like, no, 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 he's a great guy, I talked to him, he's, he's wonderful. He asked me about my day and nobody in the office asked me about my day, so, you know, I'm good. You know, there's also the sense of urgency, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm about to travel, I didn't realize the package isn't gonna come in time, what can you do for me? They know that these are things that customer service agents are trained to respond to with, you know, with solutions. Being super nice and accommodating, which it sounds like that's kind of what you did in this situation. You know, oh, I totally understand if you can't, but I'd really love it if you could. I mean, I do that with regular customer service agents. I'm not social engineering them. I just try to be a nice person. I do think that that goes a lot farther than, you know, maybe the person behind me in line that's gonna scream and yell and call them incompetent. So it works for criminals too. And then the last one is kind of an emotional tactic. So, you know, very sad, my dog died, my wife left me, you know, a country music song essentially. Or really angry, I can't believe you guys did this. I can't believe you did this. That happens a lot, right? And so if you're able to kind of bucket those into the four things and you know like what to help your customer service agents identify, However, speaking of learning things from cyber criminals and kind of having to like eat crow and be humble, I was corrected on this that criminals don't necessarily think of it from these specific, like they don't call, think before they call, okay, I, this time I'm gonna be this and that. Well, you guys, I mean, you guys, cause I, I still, I'm, I'm still, you know, that, that black hat idiot. 
But hey, the thing is, is that the good guys spend a lot of time putting labels on things. Mm. Labels. He teases me a lot about that. A lot that, of times. We, uh, so, you know, I've argued, and I don't really argue. I've spent a lot of time listening to people that use the word hacker and say, oh, hacker's not a criminal. Well, we're hackers. We're computer guys. We're hackers. No, I don't care what you call it. A criminal doesn't call it anything. A criminal calls it profit. That's what it's made. That, that's what the word is. And it's, that's the thing. If you spend all of your time labeling something, meanwhile, the bad guys are, it's a game of speed. The bad guys are operating at full speed. The good guys are worrying, what are we going to call it? Can we get permission to do it? Let's put a memo out, question it. Let's see what the report comes back before we act. Meanwhile, the good guys, the bad guys have ripped you off. Let's get leadership permission. Right. Let's get buy-in. Let's get budget. Let's get so, all those things. But I will say, too, the other problem with putting labels, I mean, we have to be able to put some labels on it so we all know what we're talking about sure. at conferences like this, at phone calls with our merchant peers, you know, in general, in our internally in our company, we have to have labels on it. What I see happen sometimes is that we have multiple labels for one action or right. we have one action with multiple definite or one definition with multiple, you know, it, it goes sure. both ways. Sure. And, I, and so then that can get really confusing. And I, I don't care, again, I don't care what you call it. For social engineering, if you're doing call center fraud, you pick up the phone, you spoof the phone number of the account holder, you call in. That way, if, if it shows the phone number on the screen for the customer service agent, the CSA, customer service agent sees the phone number of the actual account holder, not the phone you're calling in from. Lays a base level of trust. At that point, you start having a conversation with the CSA. Friendly, whatever it is. Hey, I'm calling in to check my balance. Whatever you want to say. The first few words out of that CSA's mouth is how you gauge what the call is going to be. That's what you do. Are you going to do what she calls grooming? And that happens with this order, except it actually starts on the side of the merchant the grooming does. They're trying to build a rapport. They're trying to establish who is this person. Let's talk to them. Let's find out who they are. That helps me as a criminal. I'm not saying you don't need to do it, because I like that. I'm not saying you don't need to do it, but understand it helps a criminal establish a rapport with the call center person. So that's, that was part of it. But also, you've got the sense of urgency when I call mm -hmm. in, right? I've got a problem. I'm going to California. Can you ship the package? Mm -hmm. So you've got that. You've got, you've got that, that kind of mollification that's going on. Look, I know you guys aren't supposed to do that. I know that. And I, if you can't, I understand completely. But by God, I'd sure appreciate it if you could. So you've got all of that together. You already address their fears. By addressing your fears, their fears, you nullify it at that point. You get it out in the open. I know you're not supposed to do this, but please, can you do it anyway? I understand if you can't. You know what? I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll ask. I don't know, but you know, you sound like a good guy. Let's see what I can do. That's how social engineering works. It's not about the drama. It's not about the big stories. You can do the big stories, but it's about being as much as possible the person you're supposed to be and coming up with a believable story. That's what it you're is. thinking on your feet, right? So this isn't something that a new criminal would do. No. So like new criminals, especially these days, and this is stuff I've learned from him are really focused on one area of cybercrime. And there's so many other people to do the other parts that they aren't really focused on everything like Brett was 10 years ago when it's kind of like fighting fraud 10 years ago. I didn't have all these solutions back here. We had like two or three. You know, we had to fight fraud, duct tape and bailing wire. We had to like do a lot of things, but that experience has helped me be able to consult with so many different types of companies at so many different stages because I get the whole picture. And it's the same with you, where you, you know, get the whole picture because you had to do it all, including social engineering. And I think as well, you know, a lot of new criminals probably wouldn't have the guts to get on the right. phone, right? But it's, you know, and where does that training, you know, so, come So a new from? guy coming in, a new guy coming in, him picking up the phone to commit fraud, to, to speak to a person, that's typically not going to happen. If you're encountering call center fraud, the person that you're talking to, that criminal on the other end of the line, he is going to be more experienced. And here's why. The new guy coming in simply doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't have the ego to commit that type of fraud. He's, he, he sees the phone. He reads people that, okay, I was able to talk him into instead of $500 order. If you call in, you can get $1,500 worth of product. He sees that and he's scared. He's like, do they have voice recognition? Is someone going to reach through the line? Am I going to be going to be identified as to who I am. He gets scared. He was like, are they going to triangulate the cell phone? Find out where I am like that. They get scared of that. It's not until they build up enough confidence that they decide to use the phone. But I'll tell you this, once you use the phone, you will not 
go back to not using the phone. It is that powerful because you, you, you break apart that company. You're no longer dealing with the fraud people. You're dealing with a customer service agent who has not well-trained. They've got a high turnover. They're there for one reason, to make you happy. And guess what? They've got the keys of the kingdom. They've got more power than you think. Mm -hmm. They can approve orders, they can divert shipments, they can do whatever you want to. So that's really the only person you need to talk to if you're a fraudster. That's it. So guys, I'm really sorry, we're actually gonna have to have our editor edit this out, but we're actually doing a live recording of this. Do you guys mind closing that door? It's really distracting me, and also the people in the back, if you guys could just, you know, if you're gonna talk, please go out. I apologize, I'm trying really hard not to get distracted. We can hear it and we are recording this and sharing this with our, with our fans. So, sorry about that. I could just tell my blood pressure Why was don't rising. We, we've, we've got <laughs> enough time to run, we've got enough time to run one skit. Why don't okay. we, instead of, because we've got a lot of merchants here, I don't want to make any merchant feel bad. Why don't we do, because, because again, there are you three faces. You haven't done that already. There's, there's the victim, the person's information you're stealing. There's the bank where you're changing the information over either billing address or phone number. There's finally the merchant that's the primary target that you're defrauding. So why don't we illustrate how easy it is to social engineer a bank? It still applies to merchants. Okay. But that way it, it kind of removes and they can look back and say, oh, they're stupid. <laughs> I'd never do that at my company. But you would. But maybe you, you would, can learn you some stuff too, right? And our hope is that you know, you'll provide a lot of this information or you'll come back and play this podcast to your customer service leaders or work with them, really. And I know that that's challenging, especially when they're in other countries, other areas, everything else. But I do know that there are several companies that have a great strategy on this on you know providing a little bit of education and stuff and so you know there's just one way we're we're going to do it and I, I have to say i was a little nervous when brad said he wanted to role play social engineering because a i haven't been a merchant on the front lines in like six or seven years i haven't gotten to have those fun phone calls where you mess with them i'm not either and yeah, you've never been on that side of the conversation though it would be really fun um <laughs> to hear you know a social engineer I gotta get so in character. Sure. I'll be the yes. bad guy, but you be the bad guy. I feel like I'm about to play chess with Bobby Fischer right now, and I haven't played chess in six years, so, you know, bear with us for a second. We're just gonna, you know, he was a theater major in college, so I'm just going along with. <laughs> oh, forgot there was a mic there. <laughs> Ring! I can't look at you. Thank you for calling Bank ABC. This is Katie, how may I help you? Hey Katie, this is, uh, this is Robert Napier. I'm just calling in to check my available balance. Okay, certainly, I can help you with that. And uh, what is your account number? Account number is 9726-8514-0115. Okay, and what did you say your name was? Robert Napier, R-O-B-E-R-T-N-A-P-I-E-R, -E Robert Napier. Okay, great, thanks so much, Robert. And uh, I just need to ask you a couple questions. Uh, what is your date of birth? One twenty-two seventy. Okay, and your mother's maiden name? Campbell. Okay, uh, actually, that, that doesn't match up in our system. What do you mean it doesn't match up in your system? That's not the last name that you provided Well, what, to... name, what name do you guys got? Unfortunately, that's not something that I can, I can share with you. Well, look, look, I don't know what name you guys got over, but I, I reckon I know what my mom's name is. Well, I, I'm sure you do, but it is unfortunately not the, not the name that was, that was given at the time your account was open, but why don't we try a couple other questions? All right. Uh, what was the name of your first elementary school? Well, yeah, I went to some, I, I, try, I probably put you down at uh, Roy G. Everest, so I went to some many, my dad was in the military. Hmm, okay, um, yeah, no, that, that looks exactly like what you put down. Uh -huh. um, how about uh, the first pet you ever had? First pet I ever had. Yeah, you probably know that because you've been asked that on Facebook surveys, right? And I don't those know. Those get shared with everyone. I don't know. What about uh, what about Loki? Loki the cat. <laughs> uh, yes, Loki is is on here. Right. Okay, so uh, Mr. Napier, how can I help you today? Well, how about we, we fix that name on there first? Unfortunately, that's not something we can do over the phone. You'll need to go to the branch, but you know, I, I was able to verify your identity, so you know, we're okay. You mean to tell me I gotta go in the branch to fix your all's mistake? Yeah, you know, honestly, we're just trying to keep you safe. I mean, security, we, we take it very seriously, and we just need to be able to have you standing there and verify that it, that it really is you. 
You know, I appreciate that. I don't know how safe y'all trying to make me feel. You let my wife spend all the money in my account. Well, if it was a joint account, then you provided her with access just as much as we did. Yeah, I sure do appreciate that. I sure do. You guys are a load of help. And I appreciate all those news articles about y'all setting up all them accounts for me, too, that I didn't approve. Um, I, 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 that's not something I can really help you with. Uh, how so? How can I help you today, Mr. Napier? Well, like I said, you can you can tell me what my avail the, the available balance on the account is. Uh, certainly. So it's six thousand four hundred thirty-two dollars and forty-six cents. All right. Thank you. I, I guess that's all I need. I, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about being short with you. Like, I don't. I don't mean to do that. It's just I'm going through this divorce with my wife. She's. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not a problem. Uh, is there anything else I can help you with today? No, I reckon, I'll tell you what, I reckon that's about it. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what, you have a great day now, yeah, all right? Thanks. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hey, can you update my phone number on file? Uh, my wife, I, I, actually, let's do, let's do my address. I've still got the phone number. Let's do the address, because my wife, she, I've paid 15 years on that home. I have paid 15 years on that home, and I'm moving into an apartment. Well, okay, so you need to update your address? Yeah, I need, uh, yeah, I need to update the address. Okay. Uh, what was the address that we had on file? We might already have it updated. You mean where my wife is? Y yes. Well, yeah, you your, could ask her. I'm sure residence. she knows, but it's 139 Hanover, H-A-N-O-V-E-R Street, Lexington, Kentucky, 40513. Okay. Uh, yeah, that does look like that's the address we still I have I reckon on it is. File. I paid the bills for 15 years there. So uh, what, what is your new address? New address 3050-3050 Kirk Levington, K-I-R-K-L-E-V-I-N-G-T-O-N, Kirk Levington Drive, Lexington, Kentucky, 40517. Okay, 40517. Yeah. Okay, uh, all right, I've updated that in the system. Uh, now, is there anything else I can help you with today? Katie, I can't think of a thing. I, I thank you for that. Is there any way I can lock that wife of mine out of that account? Uh, again, that's something you'll have to do in the branch. Uh, it, it requires some paperwork with your physical signature on it. Requires all that, so, doesn't it? Yeah. So I can't do nothing with you guys. I got to come in for everything. Uh, for those things, yes. All right. Well, Katie, I appreciate that. You have a great day now, all right? Thanks, you too. All right. All right, so here's what happens. So you call in, you spoof the phone number of the account holder. That way the customer service agent sees the actual phone number of the person that's supposed to be calling, not the phone you're calling in from. If I, the, the, the idea is to change the billing address. If I were just to spoof the phone number, call in and ask for a billing, uh, billing address update, that is not going to happen. Enough trust has not been layered yet for that to happen. They're gonna ask more questions. They're gonna transfer to another, another department, any number of things like that. So I have to layer trust. How do I do that? There's a few things that go on there. I cause a diversion. The diversion is I miss, I don't have the correct mother's maiden name. So they ask two other KBA questions. Those two other KBA questions help layer additional trust with the person. Now that phone call could have been a very friendly phone call. It doesn't have to be. It's just what do you want to do? If I'm, if I'm bored for the day, I may do, do a voice or anything like that. I may do that. All right, so by answering additional KBA questions, I prove even more that I'm the person that I'm supposed to be. A customer service agent, what they're doing is, is they think the primary purpose of the call is the available balance check. The problem that comes up with, with getting that is I don't have the mother's maiden name. I establish and build rapport, even if it's a contentious call, I build rapport with the CSA, divert the CSA from the main reason of the call. CSA, once that problem is solved, once the CSA gives me the available balance, once they, they address the problem of the mother's maiden name, that call from the CSA's point of view is over. It's done. They disconnect mentally from that. I don't. My main purpose of the call is to update information on file, giving me control of the account. So as the call's ending, by the way, can you update phone number? Can you update billing address? Typically the answer is yes. Well, and we're already, I mean, we, the customer service agent is already disconnected mentally from the call, right? They're on to the next, they're thinking, okay, I have to put on this, I may have to run to the bathroom. We have, you know, a lot of their KPRs are, or, or yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
<laughs> KPIs are you know, based on time, right? So they're just like next, next, next. And by that point, we're at, I've asked if there's anything I can help with. He hasn't said anything. Yep, okay, I'm next. I'm thinking about here. So, oh yeah, by the way, oh sure, yeah, okay. I'm not, my guard is down, right? I didn't know that until yesterday, that they're diverting you. So they're calling for one reason, but really they're trying to do something else. Um, it makes perfect sense to me now, but I mean, that just but wasn't That's, that's, that's typical on a call like that. Yeah. That's typical that that happens. You don't I want believe to come that in. that's new information to most of Right, you, you don't want to come <laughs> in immediately and try to get them to do something. You don't want to do that. You need to establish some sort of rapport with that CSA. That's the only way this thing tends to work well. That doesn't mean that you can't do that. It's just easier to build rapport, have a small conversation with the person first, try to divert their attention, then get them to do something like that. What we have, the problem, of course, is that I'm causing, I'm getting that person to do something that they usually wouldn't do. Now, here's a big thing. Identification is not authentication. Today, you can spoof phone numbers. If you don't have good authentication measures for looking at ID scans or anything like that, it's easy enough to come up with fake IDs. I've got four in my back pocket right now that I'll be showing in the, in the private session, all right? So it's easy enough to do that. Two-factor authentication, dead, dead. If you implement it by SMS, it's dead, it's useless, it's useless. If you do it by email, it's even less useful at that point. So understand that two factors, pretty useless right now. There are ways to circumvent that. So the problem becomes in, in establishing rules, training your people, getting them to follow the rules regardless regardless of whatever story or who you're talking to on the other end of the line, unless there is some way that you can actually validate who that person is on the other end of the line. Well, and to tack onto that, I mean, make sure that you have strong rules, right? Uh, strong rules for your customer service, uh, you know, rails and, and guide rails that you want them to be in, and then share with them why it's important. Your customer service department is either going to be you know, the gatekeeper that lets everybody in because their, their main goal is to serve your customers, or they can be your front line of defense. You can tell them why this matters. Tell them for every $1 of fraud that happens over the phone or online that it costs your company $3. Those are your bonus, almost $3. Those are your bonuses. Those are your raises. Those are, that's important money that your company needs. Make them involved in the situation. Once they know, once I trained my customer service department, which I was lucky that I was the co-manager of the customer service department and the fraud and the manager of the fraud department, so we had a lot of visibility you know, with each other and things like that. Once they got that that was an issue and kind of what they sounded like, they started listening to their gut. They started to know that that was possible. They started to know that there were people wanting to take advantage of their company and of them. And sometimes that can also create great, actually, great, a great feeder into your fraud department. Because you're gonna see those customer service agents like I was, who was extra fascinated with fraud, like I know a lot of you were, um, who was a little bit extra fascinated in fraud and, and wanted to chase that down. Beyond, <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore you for a second because we, we will, I have just a couple more things. You, you had the talking pillow a lot longer I'm just than saying, I we're running out of time, I, man. I get it, but it's important. But we're running out of time, man. I don't really care, I'm gonna keep talking. So, <laughs> I wanna get this out. So, train them appropriately, get them to be your front line of defense. I, this is why it's nice to be like 3,000 miles away when we record, because I don't see the face. <laughs> um, but, uh, so we, um, I, I'm the parent of a teenager, I can ignore that all day long. <laughs> it's a battle of wills. Uh, for those people listening, Brett is pouting. Probably getting glitter all over himself right now, which is awesome. But it's just taking up more time. So your distractions are not working. So train them appropriately. Get them involved. Don't tell them too much information about what you're looking at your fraud department, however. Give them just enough to be able to know what to look for and hand it over to you. If they start knowing, oh, these are the things we look for, they're gonna be really helpful and, and tell the bad guys, oh, your order probably got canceled because the billion shipping don't match and there was an AVS, you know, and so you need to change the address. Oh, well, great, you not only told that bad guy what to do, you, he's now gonna go post about it somewhere. Oh, this is how you get around their rules. So you gotta give them enough information and know what to kick over to you, but not too much that they can do even more harm. Um, and then lastly, when you have customer service agents that are on commission for sales, 
I, in my uh, consulting practice with merchants, I primarily work on chargeback reduction strategies. Uh, you know, looking at root cause analysis, why are they coming in and what can we do? A lot of times with merchants that have sales reps, phone reps that are on commission basis, the second you create a commission clawback when there's a chargeback, you're, you know, so say they had a huge order and they're, they're thinking about that money in their head when they're taking that order. They're not listening to their gut. They're not hearing all the warning signs. They're thinking about, okay, I'm calculating how much my percentage of this is. And so if they now know that, gosh, if this is bad, this is gonna be taken out of my paycheck in a couple months and I'm not gonna know for it, and I'm gonna be able to plan for it, you would be surprised at how much chargebacks go down at that point for companies like that. Uh, there's a lot of tips and tricks like that for all different types of companies, but that's one that, you know, on phone with social engineering, and social engineers love companies that have sales reps on commission because they know that. So, and I think it's great to have that incentive for them, don't get me wrong, but I think it's important to discuss with your company a commission clawback. So, I will now appease you, and I know we're going to take questions, but we want to close out the podcast first for and audio And please attend the, the additional sessions that everyone's putting on today. There's some, yes. there some great content out there. Somebody uh, my, I know worked really hard on the educational you did, agenda. You did. So. Uh, my solo session will be breaking down uh, fake ID usage, new synthetic fraud techniques, new account fraud, some more social engineering and call center fraud as well. Okay? And we have a lot of outstanding merchant speakers as well uh, that I'm very excited about and the fireside chats too are a great opportunity for merchants to talk to each other. So lots of great learning this week. Very excited. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of the online broadcast. We thank you all for listening to us and putting up with us. We really appreciate it. Please <laughs> tell your friends all about us because we need the listeners. <laughs> Rate and review wherever you can. Well, we're grateful that we have a little over 5,000 of you that listen every, every month. So we're not that desperate, but we love it when you tell, because really, honestly, we care about education. And we care about spreading this information, not just to merchants, but to everyone involved in cybercrime, because <laughs> to quote uh, Smokey the Bear a little bit, only you can prevent fraud. Sorry, guys, I couldn't get through this without doing one cheesy comment. but. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast so you're learning when new episodes are out. Let us know what you love about the podcast, what we can change. And this is actually our season finale. It is. So uh, we're coming back in a few weeks with a brand new, bigger, better broadcast for a bigger audience that we're really excited about. With that. All right. Well, until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure. Thank <laughs> you.